My name is Kendra Hicks, and I'm running to represent District 6 in Boston City Council. There are over 500,000 elected officials in the United States, meaning that at least one out of every 1,000 American adults serves in an elected position. But despite the fact that there are more women than men in this country, only about 20 to 25% of all elected positions are held by women. It's not because we don't get elected as often. Is it that women are less likely to be encouraged by their parents, teachers, and community to run? Or maybe it's that we don't think we're qualified enough or prepared enough to run. But I think a big reason is that we just don't know what it's really like to run for elected office. And that is the point of this podcast. Elected, where I'll share with you week by week what it's like as a woman to run for elected office in the United States of America. Hey friends, welcome back to Elected. Before we dive into the episode, I've got a favor to ask. If you love Elected and find it valuable, please consider heading over to your favorite podcast player and leaving a five-star review. And I want to thank Rich Yo for leaving this five-star review. If you've worked on campaigns, wanted to run for office, or just thought about it, this is a fantastic resource. They give you the opportunity to hear a campaign in the middle of running. I've had the chance to work on campaigns, run them, and run for office myself. So I would tell you these are the everyday discussions people have all during the election season. Running for office is difficult, but can be fun and exciting. Add a pandemic to the mix and you have a whole new ballgame. Thanks for creating this podcast, and more importantly, thanks for stepping up. Rich, thank you for leaving this review. We are so grateful. All right, elected fans, we are back for season number two, and I am so flippin' excited for this, partly because this season is not all about me, which means I am not under the magnifying glass this time around, but I have got an incredible candidate who is. I am so excited that she has agreed to let us follow her on her journey as she runs for office. So Kendra, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Meg, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about being a part of this season of Elected and really sharing my path to City Hall with everyone who's listening. And we are so excited to have you. I think what I love about Elected is that our our listeners really get the opportunity to not just see a, a, a snippet or a glimpse into a campaign, but the entire campaign. And so you will be with us. We will be with you for, oh my gosh, I don't even know how many months. Do you know the number of days? Is your team counting? <laughs> no, we should. We we started so early because we started in September. We're like, we have 14 months at this point, but now um, it's going to be March. The primary is in September and then the general election is in November. So we have we still have a ways to go, but I think maybe we should start a day tally. I know that my campaign manager at some point started telling me, okay, we have 90 days, you know, 80, whatever it was. And I was like, stop, I don't want to know. So I uh, I definitely understand that. So, all right, well, why don't we kick this off by just telling everyone a little bit about who you are and what you're running for? Yeah, so who am I? That is such a meta question. Um, so We only have 20 minutes. We only have 20 minutes, so... <laughs> I'm not going to have an existential crisis on the podcast, or maybe I will, maybe just at a later episode. That might be kind of cool. I mean, <laughs> I'm here for that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm running to represent District 6 in Boston's city council. Um, District 6 is very near and dear to me because I've called it my home for most of my life. And so did my family. 
Uh, my parents um, immigrated here from the Dominican Republic in the mid to late in the late eighties, and. I'm first gen. I have two younger siblings, but I also have five older siblings. <laughs> so we have a really, really big family. But I think that um, growing up in the city, having kind of like that immigrant experience um, really shaped who I am. Um, and it has guided me throughout my life to do the work that I've been doing. I started organizing very early when I was 15 here in JP. And I've been doing that kind of work ever since, whether it be community organizing, as a youth worker, doing violence intervention work, uh, working at the public health department, and, you know, running nonprofits, uh, which is what I've been doing for the past six years. I've really dedicated my life to service. And when I decided to run for city council, it was for exactly that reason. I knew that the people of the district were looking for leadership that was going to lead with equity at the center and was really going to ensure that our values were being represented in City Hall. And after having lots of conversations with community leaders, with my own family, we decided that it was the right time and that we could challenge the status quo and we could win. And so here we are. I love it. And obviously we need you because you're amazing. So I'm so excited you're running. But you actually touched on uh, one of the questions I was going to ask, which is how does your family feel about you taking on this very big thing? Do they know it's a big thing? Have they realized that yet? Yeah. Um, my family My family is very supportive. My family has been super supportive, not surprised at all. Um, my mom, when I was growing up, used to always say, you know, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to end up being a lawyer or something because you're always sticking your nose and defending and the arguing this thing where it's not supposed to be. And my parents don't speak English. So my dad in Spanish, he always says, eh, la defensora de los que no tienen defensa, which means like the protector of the people who are defenseless. <laughs> That's like yep. his, his nickname. Um and so they're not surprised. I think that because I've always been kind of like in service my entire life, but they're really proud. Um, and it feels really nice. Like I said, I'm the second to youngest. So I have lots of older siblings. Um, and it's really nice to kind of be there. They're all very successful in their own right and live really amazing lives. And so it feels good to kind of be kind of pulling my, my weight <laughs> on the family. <laughs> Um, but they've been super supportive um, in all in all aspects. Uh, my sister yeah. lives in California, and she stays up with me. You know, it's one in the morning here, nine p.m. there to help me translate stuff for the website. And we, you know, we kind of been working on the campaign together, um, and so it feels really nice. But they've been. Super I love supportive. it. I also love that you basically have a built-in phone banking team. Like, I'm very jealous of that. I'm an only child, so I had nobody. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I love it. It's like I a love little, it. Little Hicks Army. Yes, I love it. So tell me a little bit, like, I know you said that that you decided to run because it was just the right time, but what did that process look like? I mean, presumably you didn't just wake up one morning and go, that's it. I'm ready. Let me in. I mean, what what was happening before you actually announced? Yeah, um, definitely it wasn't happening. So I think one last year was a uh, just a precarious year for all of us. I think that the last four years, even more so for everybody in the country, but I think that things in the country, in the state, but also here in the city had kind of reached a fever pitch, not just with COVID, but also with all of the uprisings that were happening all across the country. Um, and we were really reaching 
what I think was really an inflection point, right? We have to make a decision. Are we going to start really boldly building policies at the city level that we're going to be in alignment with our values, that we're going to uphold the dignity of all people in the city? And what I saw, and I think what we all saw collectively here, was that some leaders were willing to start doing that work and some people weren't. Uh, and so there was kind of like a collective reckoning, I think, even here in District 6, where um, we've had kind of like the same representation for the past 10 years, where folks were kind of like, oh, we we think it's time for new leadership. And so there were folks here in the district who actually created a group on Facebook called Let's Elect a Real Progressive. <laughs> nice. All. And that group has about like 200 people in it. Somebody added me into this group. <laughs> I had, you know, people were just there kind of like. Let's find a yeah. candidate who wants, you know, kind of how, how do we do this? I talked to folks from that group and I talked to people from the community. Um, and it was kind of like when I was added to that group, it was kind of like presented. It was like ah. opportunity to serve. <laughs> there is yeah. a need here. Um, are you ready for this? Is this the right time for you and your family? And I said, you know what? If if not now, then when? Right. And if, yeah. and if not me, then who? Uh, I think historically for example, a person of color has never represented District 6 in City Hall, so I would I would be the first. Um, and it's the right time. But in terms of what was happening, you're right, the uprisings were happening. This was right before the summer in June. Yeah. In Boston in particular, we had um, a vote of the city budget that happened in June. And organizers were just fighting with the city council, really asking people to vote no on the budget because um, – there wasn't enough shifts that were happening in the in the police budget funding. Yeah. And lots of people voted no, but lots of people voted yes. And ultimately you could see that we just didn't have the power within city council to be able to like move this progressive policy forward because we didn't have the votes. We needed to, we needed to strategically flip some of those seats. Um, and for me, I actually had major surgery um, oh. in June. And so I was sleeping, sitting up, for two months. And that's what I was doing while I was recovering. I was yep. in my bed, <laughs> recovering, you know, my husband's like changing out all of my stuff. I'm sleeping, sitting up. I have one of those professional pillows and, and I was sitting in bed making phone calls. I was yeah. like, I can't move. I could, couldn't lift my son. Couldn't, I couldn't do anything yeah. for two months. And I was like, well, might as well. And so we were just making calls. I was just making calls, like recovering in the middle of like taking my medicine and doing that. Um, and by August, we had kind of landed and we were just like, yeah, let's do it. So you're even more incredible than I thought you were because <laughs> if I had surgery, I would be in bed like Netflixing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did some of that too, but I was just like, okay, this is the moment. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get it. Well, and I think I think what's particularly brave of you is that you made this decision in the middle of a pandemic. You know, I have the experience of having decided to run before there was a pandemic and then going through and having to do the pivot. But mm -hmm. you you made this decision like right smack in the middle of this when so much is going on. I'm sure you had your own family stuff and work stuff and trying to I mean, even for just the rest of us going through the pandemic is is a challenge and and you were yet so brave to say you know I know my community needs this and and I'm I'm ready to take on that challenge so I just give you a lot of credit for for doing that I'm not sure a lot of people would yeah thank you I really appreciate that I think you know I I really 
there's a saying that says that like bravery means that you're you're scared and you're choosing to do it anyways, right? And and that's really what it felt like. It was like, how am I going to manage this? I have a four year old who's autistic who's at home doing Zoom school. Um, we're all at home. I I knew from the beginning that I couldn't afford to you know quit my job. So I'm working full time and I'm parenting full time and I'm going to start running a campaign full time. And you know my husband, bless his soul, has just taking up everything at the right. He's just he's up everything at the, at this point. Um, he was already doing a lot, uh, but now he's just kind of like been, been holding it down um, for the past year in a real significant way. And I'm really grateful to have that level of support. Yeah. But, you know, it, it we knew it was going to be a, a steep climb, but not an impassable, you know, an impossible hill to, to climb. So we were, we've kind of just been doing our best. We've COVID has hit our family so hard. We've my my husband's mother passed away in June, um, right in the midst of us trying to figure out if we were going to run for office or not. And then um, my family um, had a loss with my uncle in September. So the summer was just kind of like an overwhelm. <laughs> and then yeah. it was just um, and it's been an ongoing thing. But my campaign has been super supportive. We in September we actually this is something that's really cool that we've done with the campaign is that folks were just like, hey. If Kendra doesn't get at the end to the end of the of the campaign in one piece, then did we win? Right. <laughs> if Kendra doesn't get there in one piece. And so folks created um, a care rotation for the campaign. And so since September, I have had um, somebody who's assigned to my care every week and every single day since September. And they- I love that. It's been transformative. It's been completely transformative. They check in on me in the morning, ask me what I need. If there's food, they send me food. If I need a reminder to stop, get off the computer and read a book, they remind me. If I need to work out, they've just been like, they created such a beautiful container to kind yeah. of hold me as I'm going through it. And it's by, you know, the grace of God and all of their hard work that I'm here now. Hey there, elected listeners, just popping in here real fast to ask you to consider donating your time or your dollars to Kendra's campaign. Running for office is an expensive and time-consuming operation, and women don't get anywhere near the resources that men get. Whether it's signing up for a phone bank or chipping in for a monthly contribution, your help goes a long way to bringing equity and justice for all. Head to electedpodcast.com forward slash Kendra to show your support today. Okay, so first of all, I think everyone needs a care. What did you call it? A care rotation. Everyone needs a care rotation, especially people running for office. But I would like that. That sounds lovely. Yeah. And I, and I think it. You know, you talk a lot. I know, like on your website and as you're talking to folks, you talk a lot about community. And I think that care rotation really, to me, feels like a reflection of how tied you are to your community and how important community is for you. And I I I, I love that idea. I mean, that is just such a, a beautiful thing. Um, that I think any candidate could benefit from, but especially women who we know are going to be juggling more, who, you know, we know often feel things more deeply. And I just, I think that's really beautiful. So I love that. Yeah. Thank you. I think we can practice the world that we want to live in right now. And yeah. that is what we've been doing with this campaign. That's what my community has commi committed to doing as they're supporting me. It's just like, how do we want this to go? How do we want like young women, women of color, who are running for office to be held and treated throughout this process that is it's just so often um so crushing in so many yes. different ways right how do we want folks to be held and if this is the way that we want to do it then let's practice right now um and it's so it's been super helpful 
I love it. I love it. All right. Well, so tell us, other than the care rotation, how has the campaign been going? I mean, how do you feel? I feel great. I mean, you know, we started in September. We, I, again, I'm an organizer, not a, not, not a, not a, not a politician at all. Now more, of course, now I'm like seven months in, I'm like, I think it's time. Um, but so a lot of the things that were happening, I didn't really know how to measure the success of the campaign, but we were, we, we raised $32,000 in our first month. And Tanya, who's my campaign manager, was just like, like district race, unprecedented. I don't know how to tell you how big of a deal this is. Um, so we've been doing really well. We set a goal of raising $60,000 in 2020 and we met our, we met and superseded our goal. Um, it's been a lot of hard work of really building the community. So for us, we're just like, okay, we're kind of like peeling the onion, right? Yeah. Like this is the core. We have myself, we have like our staff, we have our campaign team, our advisory teams. And then we're just like, what is the campaign infrastructure? What do our volunteers look like? We have 25 fellows. We have so many fellows that our wow. fellows are separated into departments. And we have fellows who are doing communications and fellows who are doing policy and fellows who are doing field. And so we've really been able to build this massive operation of people who see our vision. They see the vision for the city and for the district, and they say, that's it, and I want to do everything possible to help us get there. Um, and so we've built a really strong team. We've built a strong volunteers. We've already started doing voter contact. We've contacted thousands of voters all across mm -hmm. the district. We're phone banking twice a week. Um, and then because we created such amazing infrastructure, you know, we've been seeing all of the difficulties that people have been having with the COVID vaccine and registering for the COVID vaccine. So Anthony Collins, who's our field director, was like, hey, how would you feel about using like our infrastructure and our volunteers to do, you know, get out the vaccine, right? Yeah. And we were like, that's amazing. Let's do it. And five hours called 1600 people, make sure that folks were vaccinated, left voicemails, had people call us back, registered them after. And we were able to get 50 people to make yeah. calls, you know, for like a five hour chunk of time on a Sunday to just get people who were 75 and older in the district vaccinated. And so for us, we're trying to build this movement that's going to last long beyond um, the campaign, whether we win or lose. And we've seen the success of being able to activate that here and now. Um, we've also put out a 36, 36 policy initiatives for our platform. I know. I was so excited to, I, I'm a policy wonk. I was so excited to see all, all y'all's policies. And I even like, I wrote it down and I was like, no, we can't talk about policy in this first one because the first one's just about meeting you and we'll do a policy show later. Yes. But I love it. I'm so excited for when we're going to talk policy because you, I'm so impressed with all of your policy positions and, and just, you know, I think a lot of candidates don't really tell people where they stand on the issues. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, you and I are, we're similar in that sense that we both seem to really care about voters understanding what we actually believe in. So I, I really respected that about when I looked on your website and I saw that I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's also a part of our operation because we took a community approach to building 
policy initiatives. We had ideation sessions for each of our priorities. We had multiple meetings with people. We had folks from the community review, give feedback and make changes to our policy initiatives before they went out. And so I think that that's just another testament of how we've been able to bring people into this campaign um, and see the success from just including more people and see how different and how much more uh, far reaching the solutions that we're putting forth are because we're engaging people from different yeah. places. I love that. So much. There's so much in there I want to talk about, but I, I promise we're, we're doing this 20 minute thing. We're doing 20 minute things because you got a lot to do. You got a lot of campaigning to do. <laughs> we're doing call talk right after this. Are you? Oh my goodness. I love it. So I'm making notes and we're going to talk about all of this on future episodes. All right. But the last thing I want to talk to you about before we wrap up is just for so folks know, because not everybody who listens to us is here in Massachusetts. So tell us a little bit about your race itself. Like you're running for city council, but kind of give us the lay of the land. What? Who are your opponents? Like what does this look like? Yeah. So District 6 um is made up of jamaica plain west roxbury um portion of back of the hill a portion of rosendale and also a small portion of roxbury um here in boston those are all very different neighborhoods racial makeup class makeup just cultural cultural wise they're very very different neighborhoods and you know i mentioned earlier that a person of color had never represented this district typically the um, the folks who show up to vote and the people who are selecting who the representative is going to be for the entire district are folks from the wider, wealthier part of, of the neighborhood. And typically we've had people from West Roxbury representing people from the district. And so this would be only the second time that somebody from Jamaica Plain, which is where I'm from, would be representing the district. I think that there's a lot of cultural differences in terms of what people want. Also people's politics, you know, go from all the way to the left to all the way to the right in, in this district. And that's definitely been challenging to navigate. But for us, we've really been trying to anchor in shared values that we know that even though we're on different parts of the political spectrum, there are things that we all want to see in our neighborhoods. And if we can anchor in those shared values, then we can struggle together to figure out a way forward, right? How is the best way to get to where we want to go? And I think that that's kind of where we get stuck, that people have different ideas about how we get to X, Y, and Z. But I definitely think that we can make some headway. I think ultimately, District 6 is a microcosm of the country. Everything, the divisions that we've seen spur all across the country are the same ones that exist here. And so for that reason, I'm just like, this is also, this also means that we can serve as an example. If yeah. this is a microcosm of the things that are happening all across the country, then let's experiment here with what it means to build community across difference. Um, and I think that we've been engaging you know, bo both, quote unquote, both sides of, of the argument in a way that really gives people hope that there's possibility that even if they're disagreeing with their neighbors or they're on different um, political, have different political opinions than their neighbors, that uh, we can get to some to some common ground. Uh, it definitely has not been we're all, you know, <laughs> good and flowers and roses. Um, it's definitely it's been difficult. And we've had some some challenges in that sense. But I think that Right now, um, like I mentioned, I challenged the incumbent. He decided that three months into the campaign, he decided that he wasn't going to seek re-election. And so the incumbent has, is not seeking re-election now. And a month after that, we had somebody else jump into the race. And so right now it's me and another woman 
um, from West Roxbury who's running um, to represent the district. And we just actually had our first candidate forum, which went really well. Um, and I think that it's going to be become increasingly clearer for people to see who the progressive choice is and what the differences are be, um, between the two of us as we kind of move on. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'm so excited. And, you know, it's funny. I don't think I ever told you this, but uh, your race kind of has a sweet spot for me because my grandparents actually grew up in Jamaica Plain. So I, I just love this idea that in, in the in the neighborhood or the community has changed so much since they lived there. And it really is, I mean, I don't know what it was like when they lived there, but it's incredible now. It's just a really um, wonderful community. So I'm excited for you to represent it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited for that too. I love it. All right. We are going to wrap it up. And I decided, I didn't tell you about this ahead of time. So hopefully this goes okay. But I decided we're going to do like a rapid fire, three things. Um, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a heads up on the three since I didn't tell you in advance. So I'm going to ask you rapid fire, the most inspiring thing from the past few weeks, the most challenging, and then what you're looking forward to. So most inspiring from the last few weeks on the campaign. The most inspiring thing from the last few weeks on the campaign. Um, we were finishing our policy initiatives right before we were rolling them out. And Tanya, my campaign manager, bless her soul, and I have been spending multiple hours kind of like in front of a screen, <laughs> just typing and writing away. Um, but we were we were we were stuck. We were just like, how are we gonna, you know, word this? How are we gonna um enter this point? And we reached out to a bunch of the community organizers who were a part of our ideation session, and they were like, Sure, yeah, let's meet tomorrow. And we were on a Zoom until like 10 p.m. or something ridiculous like that. And the reason why that was just so inspiring for me was that I just I felt so supported. Right. Yeah. I was just like, people are showing up. They're just like, let's help you figure this out. Let's figure this out together. Let's make sure that the stuff that we're putting out works for all of us and feels yeah. alignment with where we want to take it. Um, so after I got off that call, I was just overwhelmed with gratitude. I'm just like, I I can't say thank you enough to the people who showed up for the campaign. Um, yeah, so that's the most inspiring thing. I love it. I love it. All right. Most challenging over the last few weeks. Um, you have to pick only one. Only one thing. <laughs> we, I think just na na navigating, you know, being a progressive and running for, to represent this district, I think has, it's been a challenge. Um, some racist attacks on me, some, some of those, I think those are the things that are most challenging. Um, and I've definitely been in the spotlight before, but I think that this is at a different level. And the more that I get in the spotlight, the higher the anxiety of what people, you know, how people who don't agree with me um, are kind of going going to react to it. And so that's been hard to to navigate. But I definitely think that we've been able to to find a sweet part, but that's been difficult. I think that's a good one. And I, I like I like what you said, too, about, you know, even if you're used to being in the spotlight, this is just a whole different thing. So I, we're definitely going to talk about that at some point, too. I love it. All right. Wrapping it up, what are you most looking forward to next week or in the next couple of weeks? So we are having policy town halls for each of our policy priorities. And the policy town halls are going to be including like a 30-minute popular education kind of teaching about the issue here in Boston. And our first one is happening next week. And we have, um, it's going to be on our justice and education priorities. And we're going to be doing our popular education session with Kimani James, who is the student representative on the school committee. And oh, wow. I'm really excited about that. Um, I think it's going to go great. And I'm really happy to have him kind of join us. To I do love it. 
Very cool. All right. And we will link to all of those um, in our show notes so that folks can check those out. Well, Kendra, thank you so much for being here. Our, we, we did it. We got through our first episode. I love it. You are amazing. And I know everyone will be really excited to check back in with you in a couple of weeks to see how the campaign is going. But for now, just stay strong. We are with you and we are excited to uh, hear from you again soon. Thank you so much, Meg. I'm really happy that we're doing this and I'm looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Elected. If you like the work we're doing, please head on over to your favorite podcast player and leave us a five-star review. And until next time, remember, we think you should run for office. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Elected, the podcast. There's work to be done, and we need you to be a part of getting more women to stand up, run, and serve in elected office. To learn more, visit electedpodcast.com. And don't forget to subscribe to hear new episodes as they are released. Until next time, keep running.